Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Let's get right into the talk. We're going to be in Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Psalms, the book of Psalms, there's like 150 of them and 150 chapters. It's right toward the middle of the Bible. It's a pretty big book in the Bible. That's where we'll be in a minute right now. Uh, up on the screen, a friend of mine named Clint and his wife Rose. Some of you might know them. I'm thinking back to when I first met Clint. He now has become a pastor of a church. When I first met Clint and was just getting to know him, went and visited his house. A couple things I remember about Clint's house. Uh, one memory was uh, there were, we were hanging out, talking on the couch, and there were like eight kids running around his house. But I was thinking, you only have two kids, so who are these other six? Uh, another thing I remember, like a high school, maybe, maybe a college student guy coming to the door, didn't knock, just came in the door and said, hey, and then went straight to the fridge. I remember thinking, like, well, who's that? That's Sergio. Uh, I remember another time talking to Clint, and he was a professional guy, worked hard. But on this day, he looked a, a little extra tired. I'm like, you look tired. He was like, oh, these high schoolers were hanging out at the house last night, and we were talking till 1 o'clock, and that kind of a thing. But I used Clint as an example in that season of his life. He, he just had an exceptionally open or welcoming house. Does that make sense? It was, and so it, it uh, introduces this question for us. Do you know anyone who is exceptionally welcoming? So try to think. May, I think some of us can surely think of someone who's an example of that. Others may not, but it's not hard to imagine. This, this uh, Clint actually used a term back then of an open, they just had an open door policy. Can anybody think of anyone who's kind of like that? No, a few, like maybe it's you or somebody you know that's like that. Just a side note, I would submit to you that this is not natural for all of us. Uh, I know for me, we have a welcome mat in front of our front door. It says, glad you're here. But like, to be honest, it kind of depends. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, for most of us, yeah, yeah, sort of, it just depends. There's certain things, you know, glad you're here, unless, like, we don't know you and you're selling something, that we might not be, like, super glad you're here, or we're glad you're here, unless you have COVID and you just decided you wanted to visit somebody, and you come in going, <coughs> I got COVID, I thought I'd come over and tell you about it. Be like, wait, keep, sort of glad, not glad, why are you here? It's, you didn't like that one? What about, like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally glad you're here, unless you're a Democrat. <laughs> just kidding. Just to, just to even that out. Like, totally glad you're here, unless you wear a Trump hat. Be like, whoa, you know, like, most of us have this qual these qualifiers for how welcoming we are. Um, but I want to talk about someone who's amazingly uh, broad in his welcomingness. And you know who it is? It's God. 
It's God. Look at a few verses. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Look, seriously? Like the world? That's pretty welcoming and open. Uh, next one. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's a pretty broad invitation. Uh, Jesus was accused in Luke 15. Pharisees were religious, not great religious people, really rule-driven religious people. And they were fairly regularly bugged about Jesus because he welcomed sinners and he ate with them in the book of revelation last book in the bible it's telling the story of when uh, this world will end new life will begin new creation stuff and it says referring to jesus death on the cross and his payment for sin it says your blood with your blood you purchased god persons from every tribe every tribe and language and people and nation that's god's heart it's this big invitation to all who would come and be his kids be his family be saved by the grace of jesus it's this huge invitation so we started uh, this series called we are family god's sons and daughters doing life together. And today we're going to explore this characteristic of God, that he is a welcoming God, and to be up front, going to bring some challenge to us to be more like him. Uh, why would we do that? There is power, especially spiritual power, in being welcoming people. My own life, part of my story of becoming a Christian has to do with a guy uh, Mr. Green, who welcomed me. God used this guy to, to welcome me. And because of his welcoming attitude, it was part of the story of how I ended up becoming a Christian. After I became a Christian when I was 20, there were two guys in my life, and I call them my spiritual fathers, and they were open and welcomed me into their friendship circle. Without those three men or someone like them, God could have provided someone else. Without those three men, I would not even be a Christian today, but it mattered. If you're a person that has a reasonable or a great amount of spiritual health in your life, I would pretty much bet if you told your story, part of that has to do with someone who was welcoming to you in a, in a profound, healthy way. By the same token, if your spiritual life is not very healthy, you're, you could be only one good connection away. If you were met the right welcoming person or group, that can totally launch you into a new season of uh, a growth spurt. It's the way it works. By the way, I will again plug the groups at the church. Following this service, check out. Uh, the group launch, it's in the chapel, just right on the other side of that wall. Uh, check it out. Wander through there. You never know how much impact a group of people can have when you are welcomed into that. Um, so we're going to learn from Psalm 68, a section. The writer is writing a song about God. 
in this section, two things are happening. He's acknowledging, he's going to acknowledging, he's going to acknowledge the welcoming nature of God, and he's also ch challenging us to be grateful for it. Psalm 68, beginning in verse 4. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. Here's the welcoming part. The fa a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Let's revisit verse 5 and 6. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Title of the talk is A Welcoming Family. And I want to explore how can we be more like this welcoming God. Let me pray. Will you do in us something in the next 20 minutes that would make us more like you in this area, God? In hopes that we could be a more powerful church family, in hopes that someday someone might have a testimony and they might include us in their list of people that you use to change their life, Lord. That'd be great. So, most of us open ourselves up. Work on us, Lord. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas I see from the text that'll make us especially welcoming. We can be especially welcoming by addressing a person's felt needs. Felt needs. Uh, felt needs, that's like real needs. It's what's really going on in their life. It's an area that they really could use help. Just letting you write that down. I see it in the text. It says, of God, a father to the fatherless. If you don't have a father, most people wish they had one. It's a felt need. Even though, even if we're not kids anymore, my father passed away about 10 years ago. Every once in a while, I'll still miss that father figure in my life. He was a pretty good dad. A defender of widows. A woman who's had a husband who was a, a, a provider, a defender. If he dies, that's a missing piece. Like, I, I can imagine uh, if a woman hears a scary noise at night and, she, and her husband would have been the one to go check out the scary noise. By the way, side note, men, you be the one to check out the scary noise. We also have this better man thing coming this Friday. If right now you're not the one checking out the scary noise, you're a, you have to come to the better man thing because we feel like you can do better. Okay. What was that about? Oh, defender of the widows, sets the lonely in families. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. 
What about he leads out the prisoners with singing? I thought, is that an, a characteristic of meeting a felt need in a person's life? And as I pondered it, I, I had a thought, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's a, a felt need. If you're a, if, if you're a prisoner, if you've been in prison, even if it's your own fault, by the way, you're like you're a convicted felon, rarely do people write songs because it says, what does it say? He leads out the prisoners with singing. Rarely do people write songs that celebrate the joy of having a convicted felon back on the streets. Does that make sense? Like, I'm so glad another felon is in my neighborhood. Bubble, 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 bubble. We love the fact that you're out of prison, you evil person. Yeah, yeah. Right, or what? Just, no? I'm not a very good songwriter. You knew that. Right? That's not what we would, we would, we would do. What a, what a wonderful, even powerful thing, though, for the person that's getting out of prison to have someone on their side with joy. I'm glad you're out. I'm glad that we have hope. Let's get this started again. Does that make sense? That would be powerful. That people would need to have a felt need for, I want someone to believe in me as I enter the world again. You could also apply this to people uh, that are prisoners of addictions and habits. Because if you've been an addict, you've probably worn a lot of people out with your addiction and you need someone who will again come and have hope in you so that when you say, I'm not going to do that again, you need a God. You need someone who says, I'm with you. I welcome you to this new, new life. Does that make sense? God's amazing. Here's what we're trying to recognize here. God has an uncanny ability to offer people what they need. It's a fill in the blank. When Jesus would encounter a blind person, he would help them with their eyes. That's what they needed. He didn't give them a piece of bread. Hey, I can't see. Well, here's some bread. Okay, sort of thanks, but when someone had a spiritual stronghold, a demonic problem, he brought his power because that's what was help. That's what they needed. I considered a couple stories of a guy named Peter. He's one of the 12 disciples, one of Jesus' core group. Uh, and at least twice, Peter, who by trade was a fisherman, ended up in a situation where he lacked fish. And if you're a fisherman, you need fish. And on both occasions, Jesus pro miraculously provided fish. In one of them, I think it's in John. It'll come up on the screen. John 21. Jesus and some other of his disciples, uh, Peter, I'm sorry, Peter, and some of the disciples uh, went out to go fishing. Peter invited them because he was the fisherman. They fished all night and didn't catch any. Now, that's a long time to fish and catch no fish. Morning comes, and Jesus is on the beach, and he calls out to them and says, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. I think they probably answered with, energy like no no fish right because frustration and he said throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some guess what happened when they threw their net on the right side of the boat they found a treasure chest filled with gold no they didn't that's sorry they're like i didn't know that was in the bible 
that sounds like a cool story. No, what did they find? Because they were fishermen that lacked fish, and he gave them fish. Just this practice. Now, side note, both of those encounters, when, they, when Jesus brought this practical thing to Peter, it had a spiritual result. It did things in his heart. Part of that is part of his salvation story. When God did a miracle for him, he realized that he was a sinful man and shouldn't be in the presence of such a powerful God. So there was a spiritual consequence or component of it, but Jesus would bring practical, the right practical help to people, set the stage for spiritual power. This is just the idea we're talking about. There is spiritual power in addressing the right need. Uh, several years back, before we moved the ministry into this building, we were in a small rented facility, and uh, church was a lot the same as it was now, just smaller. Got to the end of a uh, service where I had done a talk, and a young lady came up for prayer. She, we would only see her on the weekends. She was a Notre Dame student studied, doing pre-med stuff, and I think her study responsibilities were a bunch and but she was really faithful and she would come to church and that was like her little getaway to get with God and she would go back to her studies on this morning that I remember she came to church and when it came down to for prayer she came up and sat we just had some steps and I ended up getting to go and sit next to her and ask her what's going on and she was just talking about the stress of the academic stuff going on and uh, uh, so I and she, I remember she was describing uh, and I, I, I got to go back to it and I got to study all afternoon so anyway I said well let me let's pray and so I began to pray for her and as I started to pray for her I felt the Holy Spirit what I think was God I'm pretty sure it was and he said to me give her a hug and even especially in this season of my life, I, w I wasn't a hugger then. And even as a, as a pastor, I had different rules about, you know, I'm not going to be hugging a bunch of, I don't want to be some weird pastor guy who hugs every, you know, like there's just stuff you try to watch out for so that it wouldn't be misunderstood. And so God was like, hug her. And I'm like, God, I have some rules in my life. And so <laughs> I probably, I'm not going to hug her because you know how the culture is and I, I might be misunderstood. <laughs> You ever had those arguments with, and, and God's like, you think, did you not shut up, you stupid pastor boy, and a hug, right? I am telling you to hug her. And then he gave me a, a helpful picture. By the way, sometimes when we hesitate with the Lord, uh, sometimes I, uh, he will actually give us ideas that will help us get through the hesitation. Just so you know, be a little patient. Don't wait forever if he tells you to do something, but it's not wrong to go. I'm, I'm kind of confused, Lord, because... You know, and I remember he said, you'll be like, because her, I knew she had a good father, but her father lived somewhere else. And so it was like the Lord said, you'll be like the dad who's not here. Give her a hug. And so, and I still can remember, I put my arm around her and I began to hug her. And when it was like, when I put my hand on her shoulder, she began to bawl like a baby. And I, I actually double hugged. I went, oh. <laughs> and she just buried her face 
in my chest and cried for what seemed like forever. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, and she just cried and cried. And, but I'm pretty sure I was in the middle of God's will there because what did she need right then? She just needed like a dad's hug and a little bit of encouragement. It can be a powerful thing. So to finish up this point, here's a question for us. How eager am I? How eager am I to offer the right help? That's a good question for those of us who want to be and have a life that impacts people. Some of us probably are even deeper than that. Like we want to represent Jesus Christ to our world. How eager am I to offer the right help? Do I pay attention to what will be really helpful? Am I listening for the Holy Spirit with, with diligence and openness and a willingness to do whatever he asks us to do? I'll give you just one more thing to ponder before we move on to the second point. Most of the time, the most powerful thing we do for other people does not have to do with giving them money. I'm just saying. Thought about this a little more than I'd probably ever thought about it before. Jesus, I can't think of a time where Jesus came to town and said, here I am, Lord of the universe. I got everything, at the, at access to everything. So here you go. Here's $5. Here's $5. Here's five. There, is no, there is no account like that. He brought things to people that were better, more powerful than just money. Now that, does that mean we should be stingy and not give away money? That's not what I'm saying. How about we go deeper than that and offer somebody relationship, welcome, help that will really impact their life in a more deep way? Isn't that something to think about? I thought so. So we just talked about addressing a person's felt need. The second thing is we can be especially welcoming by being open to a familial relationship. In other words, like a family-like openness to them. We're going to get that from verse 6 that says, God sets the lonely in families. There's power in a, a family connection. Uh, Thursday, here at the church, we did a small family memorial service for a woman who was tragically murdered two weeks ago. Uh, her name was Rachel. Her mom attends our church, asked if we could do a memorial service. We, we worked it out, figured it out. So I did uh, this service, led this, and in the service had some time where we asked people to share memories of Rachel. Rachel uh, was 45 years old. Um, and there was a little bit of sharing about Rachel's life, and it can happen like that, that at a funeral kind of a thing. After the funeral, I was out in the atrium, and I ended up in a conversation with a young lady, 25-year-old-ish. I think I asked her how old she was, but 25, I would guess. And she began to say to me, I wanted to share something about Rachel 
but I was kind of afraid, didn't know if I could get through it. So I was like, talk to me, tell me. And, and she began to, to share that Rachel treated her. It was, it was how Rachel treated her when uh, this young lady moved into the neighborhood. And she got to a point where she said, she treated me like a daughter. And when she said it, she began to weep. There was evidence of the power when Rachel opened up her life and treated her ready like a family member, even though she wasn't a family member. Does that make sense? She just... Our text says God sets the lonely in families. So here's what we're going to explore for the next couple minutes. When someone is family, I would submit this to you. When someone is family, we can put this up on the screen, we treat them differently. That's most of us. <laughs> most of us, if someone is family, we treat them differently with more of a commitment, oftentimes more grace. Most of us, if your sister has a bad, you don't disown your sister because of a bad day. Most of, right? Does that make sense? We're just, it's deep, the, the commitment level is deeper than that. I have a brother who, his name's Ryan, he moved when he just got out of college, he moved to El Paso, Texas, which is like the other side of the world. It's way, way over there. And for anyone else, probably in my life, back when I was just getting through high school and college, if they moved to El Paso, I have no idea what they're doing with their life at this point. But because he's my brother, we worked at staying together because he's my brother. Does that make sense? Like you don't just get, fam you don't get rid of family. If there's a, there's a glue that sticks family together most of the time beyond just regular people glue. <laughs> here's something to consider Jesus often treated individuals with family-like loyalty this is part of the powerful love that Jesus displayed he treated individuals with family-like loyalty example John 8 there's a woman caught in adultery everybody in the picture is saying she was she was caught in the act of adultery that means we should be done with her they were saying let's kill her Jesus says otherwise. Why? Because I think he's thinking more like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You get she, this girl may be nothing to you, but this is this is our this is your sister. And I'm implying some things, but he, you know, Jesus of course would know this is my potential daughter here. So let's not, you know, in a in a thirty minute group gathering decide her life is not worth anything and we shall kill her. Does that make sense? Because you know, we would probably be more likely to do that with family. We say, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's my brother. That's my mom. That's my father you're talking about. In Mark chapter 5, there's a guy with all kinds of problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems, demonic problems, uh, uh, homelessness problems. He's living in the cemetery. He's cutting himself, regularly cries out all night. Just a, just a mess. Pretty much the entire culture has given up on him. Jesus comes, addresses his need. By the end of the story, he's sitting with him. 
And probably most people in town, that would be the last thing on their to-do list ever. Because they're like, I would never want to sit with that guy. And Jesus is sitting with him. Why? Because Jesus says, oh, that's my, that's, my, that's my son. That's family. I thought of the disciples. Jesus handpicked 12 disciples. They regularly messed up. But at no point did he fire them all and say, I got to get a new group. Because that's the sixth time this month that you guys did that dumb thing. It's because they were family. In Ephesians 1, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, He predestined us for adoption to sonship. Not just be on His team. Not just be His friend, but sonship. He paid the price. Not totally unlike if we went through an adoption process and you adopted someone into your life. That's, you, you're going to pay. You're going to do the paperwork. You're going to make it all legal. Jesus did all that on the cross, by the way, to invite people to be adopted as his son, his daughter. A covenant relationship that goes on and on and on. Family. Oh, one, one, one other thing before we get ready to close. With this idea of treating people like family. I would, and I'm just kind of an average guy. I have known for years when I got married and when we had kids that I would die. And I don't think I'm just making this up. I would die for my family. If some, you know, person came in my house with evil intent, and they're like, one of you's going to die. That'd be me. Let them go. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> right? You know, they'd say, no, we're going to get out of my way. Nope, nope. Line up, kids, behind dad. And get ready to run, or something, you know. That's, why would I, why? because that's what you do for family. And there's, there's something in there for the reality of Jesus. When he came to the earth, to die for us, to die for you, willingly. He made the decision. You might argue, oh, well, they killed him, and he didn't have a choice. Wrong! He totally had a choice. He had all the power in the world just to do this, and, and it all would have changed. But he jumped in the way of the death sentence that we really deserved. He said, I'll take it. Why? Because I like love these people like family. That's what he did. Isn't that powerful? By the way, if you're far from God, stop it. Don't stay away from God. There is no one who will love you better, who would give their life. There's no one like God. Do not stay away from God. Stupid. Stupid, stupid. Don't do it. Is it perfect? Will we understand everything? No. Do not stay away from God. There is no hope outside God of you getting close to God, Jesus paid the price, died on the cross, so that you could be a son or daughter. What, a, what an amazing honor. You should do that. Really, you're not doing that. What's your problem? You should do that. Okay, sorry. I lost track of what we were talking about. Gee whiz. Okay. God's amazing, treats us like family. 
challenge for us. How about we be more like God? Open ourselves up. Last fill in the blank. What would it look like for me to treat more people like family? What would, it, what would it look like for you to be more like God in this area? And I realize we don't have the capacity of God like to, to, to welcome the whole world into our home. But what would happen if this week we were more aware of meeting one person's real need or four people's like real need? What, what would happen if we really did treat some people like family for six minutes? Like, I'm going to honor them like family. Or Does that make sense? It'll be a powerful thing. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.